Hello and welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson, your host, and joining me is Dr. Peter Bernstein. Today we continue in our series on how to survive through adversity. Dr. Bernstein, or Peter, as he likes to be called, is a coach and mentor with almost 50 years of experience helping people survive and grow through trauma, struggles, and hard times, and we sure have them. This is the stuff of real life. The goal of our series is to help you discover what we've experienced, that adversity is more than a trial to endure. It can be an exciting opportunity to learn, grow, and thrive. Mm -hmm. Although as I say that, mm -hmm. right now in this moment, don't want to get ahead of where we are. This is not an exciting opportunity in this moment. It's an opportunity, I wouldn't call it exciting. Yeah. 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 And, um, you know, this is a good topic. Here we are on our 71st hour of this series that we're doing, and we're talking about adversity and struggle and, and pain and suffering. We've been talking about how to find hope and purpose through all of this and resilience. And here we are. We're in the third week of a very serious pandemic. Um, the virus, the COVID-19 viruses, and um, it's affecting m on such a mass level. It just plugs right into so many things that we've talked about. Um, now, you know, I don't know about, I know a lot of people listen to us, and I'm really glad, grateful for that. Yes. <clears throat> and I'm sitting here thinking, think about all the people that need this, our series for encouragement and support right now. And understanding, is there some kind of meaning and purpose in all of this that's happening? Um, and I think it's a darn good question. I also believe there is. But we don't want to get too philosophical here or too above it all. Because right now people are really struggling with themselves. They're hurting and they're afraid. And they're afraid. They're hurting. They're afraid for their health and the uh, pandemic that's happening. They're hurting about their financial uh, abilities because they really... Businesses by the millions are being closed down. Our whole economy is closed down, and that's just happening all over the world. So people are worried about where they're going to get money, and others are worried about their jobs. Others are worried about how I'm going to pay my employees and keep them. Um, this is a it's a worrisome time. I, I I think that if we were to look back, the closest crisis we've had to this, in many ways, was the um, deep recession that we had, which I call a depression. It was so terrible. About 10 yeah, years ago, yeah. About 10 years ago, and people were yeah. just wiped out, including me. And so many people, we wrote a book during that time. Yes. We wrote a lot of meaningful articles. And the reason we did that is because people got so discouraged and so frightened and were par paralyzed with all the things that meant so much to them and they placed so much value in for their security and for their future. And to give them a sense of control over their lives was stripped away from that in a very short time. It was all stripped away because of corporate greed and because of a lot of things that happened at that time. Many, many, many millions of people were very, very hurt during that time, uh, brutally so. And I certainly was. And we knew many, many, many people that were as well. But there was one difference for me, and that was I've been through crises before. I've lost before. I've suffered and struggled before, and very serious stuff that was um, tough stuff to go through. And it, once you get through something like that, it almost gives you a, a, 
a foundation, a repertoire to pull upon, and you don't even have to be conscious of it to know. I've been through hardships before, really hard times, and I got through it. In our last podcast, number 70, <clears throat> you spent uh, one of our segments really being clear and open about mm -hmm. uh, your history and the struggles that you're talking about. So mm -hmm. I just want to say that, that that is available for people to, to go back and hear. Absolutely, and I don't want to need to go over that again today. But I had have a, I've had other struggles. We have struggles that are, I have struggles in my life today. I have struggles helping others that are struggling and suffering and grieving. My own wife is so ill and um, we're dealing with end of life issues with her, my mother. Um, folks that are we're coming for help are dealing with grief and pain. And we're seeing, we've been dealing with this for a, a long time. We've helped a lot of people recover from traumatic experiences and losses. And here we are, I don't think, anything on that, but nothing as compared to the massive challenge that's happening right now. Um, people are scared. People are on the edge of panic. And um, the things that they really have held on to have been taken away overnight. Um, the security about health. I mean, I'm a healthy guy myself. I like to be strong and healthy. And yet, that's, that's something that's being threatened by this very insidious um, virus and the financial is huge it's just enormous and if you have your own businesses um, if you're an employee I mean these are big words how do you how to put food on the table how do I take care of myself and my family or my loved ones it's absolute legitimate questions and they're being challenged right now and that both are happening at the same time magnifies both of those things. yeah so, there's one other thing that magnifies though and I'll tell you what it is People have got lost about what's really important in life. And they've clung to things and valued things that really in the long run weren't going to mean a whole lot. And because of that, the real things that give people strength, fulfillment, um, and, and, and courage and encouragement, those things have been left at the wayside, really, on a massive level, have been pushed aside. Well, this is the kind of thing that what's happening now gives them another chance to reevaluate their values and to discover what's really important in life. The other part of it is we've been living an illusion about control. And uh, I think we've talked about this before. I know we have. Mm -hmm, yeah. um, but we've talked about it in the, in the, in the framework of caregivers, first responders, mm -hmm. people on the front lines like ourselves. We describe it as extraordinary reality. That's right. We live in extraordinary reality. Most of the people we know live in this extraordinary reality. It's, a, it's not something most people would choose because it involves sickness, dying, death. It involves so much that we have to learn in helping folks through these difficult times that they go through at the end of life. And we also have to, we have to go through the things that it puts us through as caregivers in what we're forced to face within ourselves. And, We've talked about the kind of stripping that goes on about ourselves. And most of us who are, have been caregivers and first responder types have a side to us where we do have empathy. And that means it's a deeper sense of more personalized compassion. Um, but it's not, it involves a lot of pain. It involves really a lot. What it involves in our calling, most people would run the other way. And that's the truth. The people that do the kind of things we do and other and 
related. Um, do much. It's a very hard job. Heartbreaking. You said that it is a, a, a experience that puts people through changes they would rather avoid. And that includes me. I wouldn't lie about it. I mean, who wants to go through the kind of pain, not just the pain of, of helping someone who's in pain or, or death and dying, but it, what's what we go through. We're empathetic people. That means we absorb the energy of these folks. We care about them. We absorb their energy. We give to them when they can't give back to, uh, to us. What gives us, of course, fulfillment is giving and caring for others. But it's a different kind of relationship that most people aren't going to choose. In fact, most people don't. It's a condition of life that most people don't even want to think about until it's on top of them. Um, and yet, everybody's going to go through it one at one time or another. But now we're dealing with something at such a mass level that we're not talking about individualized situation. We're talking massive right, it's right challenges. Right, everyone's face. Right? And everybody's faces, and such vast numbers. It's a pandemic time. This is all world. This is the entire world. So, uh, on this level, it's more shocking. And here's what's more shocking about it. It's exposing people to who they really are. It's exposing people's strengths, and, but right now, I think it's exposing more people's weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And what's happened is they've, people have erected barriers between themselves and their fellow man. They've wanted to get ahead, they've wanted financial security, um, you know, toughen it out, being strong, aggressive, and being on top of it all. I think the American values are probably the strongest value system like that in the world. And that's why probably the United States will go through a rougher time of correction. Be a bigger shock, a bigger crisis. Absolutely, because we know people in Africa, they live through epidemics. They live through such broken, devastating lives. Some of the most faithful, trusting, good people we've ever met came through the genocide in Rwanda. I mean, I never saw such resilience in people and what atrocities they witnessed and went through. And I look at those folks and I go, well, this isn't going to be that removed from what they've experienced before in the way they live now. For us in the United States, this is one heck of a crash. Yeah. Um, and it's a real eye-opener on a mass level. What we're really seeing at this point is, and I, I, this is not pleasant for me at this point. I don't think it's going to last. But the phase we're in now is I'm not seeing people reach out to one another and care right now. It's it's not the rule. It's more unusual. It's a wonderful thing to find, but it, it doesn't happen as often. And no. And the reason I say it at this point, I, I see how people are reacting. They're very distrustful, and they're being fed information on why they should be distrustful and keep distance. Okay. But there's more than that. Do they, are they willing to care about their fellow man and see that they're, as bad as their situation is, there's people that have worse situations? The answer is at this point, on a pretty big scale, that there's not a whole lot of that. Those barriers are still pretty, they're up there. Now, why do I put an emphasis on that? Because I remember the same thing happened during the Great Recession. And at first, people were stripped, and what really happened was so many things that they the values that they clung to that they clung to the the financial values the the, the securities were stripped away over overnight, and what I did see though after people got over their paralysis and fearfulness, um, was there was those barriers were destroyed 
and they were they were reaching out and caring for each other in ways I hadn't ever seen before. And it was very sweet to see. And I see that it's it can be done and it happens. But if we were to say that's where people are now, we wouldn't be telling the truth. Because right now, no. people are watching out for themselves. They're very scared, paranoid, panicked about themselves um, and uh, what they care about. And if you really check it out, how much are they caring about their fellow man and the condition? I don't see a lot of that yet. I think we will. I'll be honest with you, I'm hopeful about that. But right now, in this stage and phase of this critical time, I don't know. I don't think that's the predominant no, value. No, and that's I think partly why, at least I know I am. I'm sure many are grateful when the the news media starts running some articles, information about people who are reaching out, like the people who are making masks and donating them, things like that. And that's that's good. To, that's really what I really want to hear. We've been <laughs> listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. Peter and I are here again. This is our third podcast uh, on the COVID-19 pandemic and how to see and respond to these times. We want to offer encouragement, support, and some survival skills. Uh, In our first segment, we again uh, brought up the topic of how this is what we call an extraordinary reality one that we've been in, that caregivers and first responders are in. And now uh, with the crisis, the whole world is being confronted with this, this experience of loss of control, uh, of, of the, the, the pain, the fear, the hurting, uh, loss of things that are valuable, and how to respond in that extraordinary reality. Uh, we. It exposes our strengths and weaknesses. It can be a very painful process. It is a painful um, process. And the last thing that it tends to expose, which we were talking about, is is the barriers that we tend to put up, certainly in our culture, uh, between ourselves and others, and what we lose by that. We're hearing some thunder. Is that thunder? I'm not sure. Wow. Well, you know, I'm, I was listening to how I sound. And went, this is a very serious time, and yeah, no yes. one is minimizing it. And we do want to reiterate how important it is to take precautions right now. There's no one. We want people to be smart. What we're saying is, don't let be, don't be fear driven, but be smart about what you do. Yeah, you need perspective, and we'll talk about that. that that's what's really important right now. Um, I was just talking to one of my very good friends, Big Steve, who's a fabulous nurse and a very good friend of mine. And ours, and he was telling me what's going on in the hospitals. He's a he's a frontline guy, and he has very much the same attitude we do, in how important it is not to let the voice of emotion dictate our perspective right now. We've talked about that so many times. Not to, I didn't talk to him about it until it came out of him today, um, and he was right. And he says people are letting that drive them, and it's the fearfulness. He said, and he said it. 
Yeah. That's making some people very sick, and just not the virus, but the fearfulness. Even the people who he he is working with in the hospital. That's right. He also was very aware. Says people that have traumatic past are getting triggered now, and a lot of the fearfulness and the wounds from the past are being stimulated, and that's coming up, and it's distorting and contaminating their present situation and perspective. Then they become reactive rather than be responsive, and that's that's a problem, a real problem. But at the same time, is there going to be hope? And I do believe there is. We're just in an early phase of this thing. We're going to start seeing this thing turn around, maybe not so fast as far as the viruses go, but as far as how people begin to respond. I think one of the things that's really happened is that people have accepted a distracted, filled life. Um, and they've embraced that as a way of life. That leaves people very fragile. They may not feel it because they're really looking for security and control. But the truth of the matter, it's a very fragile way of life. Because when the true confrontations come, that doesn't hold. And then they're left with nothing. Because they haven't really lived this extraordinary, this extraordinary kind of life. And I don't mean in an easy way. They haven't, they've chosen to avoid it and to avoid the difficulties much of the time. Not everyone, but many. Mm -hmm. And well, now you were hoping that at the end of the recession, you saw people moving toward this, and then you saw it kind of fall away. You know, that, that disappointed me, because I was really hopeful. Because what I saw come out of that was really meaningful and creative. And there was a lot of good things that were beginning to emerge from that. And caring about each other. Um, people genuinely were interested in what each other had to say. They were interested in their situations. I was hoping that that's what's steady, and I have to tell you, that is, people reverted back to needing the control, wanting to get ahead, having the security and control again, and here we are again. Mm -hmm. I want to read something that, um, I don't know if anybody, I hope you've heard of Viktor Frankl, he was a, a psychiatrist and then, uh, during the Holocaust, and um, he wrote some great books. I remember reading them during my time he when I was master. He was in one of the prison camps. Yes. Uh, let me just read this short for a part of it. It says, Victor Frankl, writing from the madness of the Holocaust, reminded us that we don't get to choose our difficulties, but we do have the freedom to select our responses. Meaning, he argued, comes from three things. The work we offer in times of crisis, the love we give, and our ability to display courage in the face of suffering. He says, the menace may be subhuman or superhuman, but we all have the option of asserting our own dignity, even to the end. I find this, <laughs> you know, I remember, I hadn't remembered him for a long time, and then I read this article, and I saw that, and it reminded me of how moved I was while I was studying for my master's for, about Victor Frankl, because he had such a practical outlook on life, based on suffering and pain, and yet he had this view of life and perspective of life that didn't come easily, it came through horrible times. It was a very genuine, uh, he, his voice was genuine because he had gone through it himself. Very down to earth in the most human terms. Yeah. So I look at that and I'm thinking about what's happening now and I'm thinking, we do have the choice of how we respond. We always do. We right. may not feel like it or we may lose sight of it, but we do. Well, one of the reasons we lose sight of it is because we listen to the voice of our emotions. 
instead of we have a normal intuitive feeling state we're not talking about that that gives us readings on situations we're talking about our emotionality now we all have it and we all go through it see we can sit here and if we want to we can sound like we're pontificating i, I don't want to and i'll tell you why because we live it we all do it we know yeah. we know the pain we know the struggles we've been challenged and confronted and continue to be right yes. And so we know what happens, and we can't transcend the emotional conflict that everybody goes through. Because we go through them, we've been through them too. Yes. We've been stripped over and over again. Our need, our desire, with good intentions to fix and help people, wonderful. And we've been up against more situations that we couldn't fix. Yeah. And we had to help people in a different way. So we know that's very real, and I know that's what's happening now. It's happening for everyone. Absolutely. Whether they are allowing that awareness to come in or not. Well, that's, that's what happening. we're talking about today, because everyone is going to be challenged. It's happening right now. Yeah. Is it going to bring out the best in you? No way. Did it bring out the best in us at first? Not a chance. It gave us, though, choices, and as we have moved through it, we got to be more honest, decent people without hiding behind those things that were going to give us security and control. Here I am sitting with a PhD and from almost 50 years of work, and, and I, I think about how I was related to and for so long, and then I realized after what I've been going through in my own personal life with my wife as a caregiver, for her, for my mother, for other people that were helping, you know, it, I realized that I was living in a silo myself, I didn't want to, that people weren't really having access to me or me to them. I didn't know why. Well, that was, that was the pattern you were taught, though, wasn't it? That, oh, that kind of that clinical removal. Uh, and, and it was a pattern that you learned from the man who, who was your mentor, who you valued. Mm -hmm. And yet, as he neared the end of his life, you saw the drawback in this approach. Well, he, when he was dying, that all fell away, and I got to see the real human being. And that made a profound impact on me, because I realized I want to live that way too. Well, here's what I discovered. As much as I was committed to that, I still had barriers up and ways of trying to impress people or impact people professionally. And you know what? I don't like it. I don't like it. I haven't liked it for a long time. It's really looking at relating to a person as a fellow human being. Now, there is some objectivity when we help people because we can take on the pain that people are in and we can also be triggered with our own pain and then we don't help them as well as we could. And so we, we could contaminate helping them and make it worse. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about bleeding our own experiences and hemorrhaging them into other people's lives and difficulties. But I am saying there's an element that we all share in our humanity. And it has to do with empathy. It has to do with caring. Um, and I, that's the thing that's so nice. And in it, and it itself, I think one of the most fulfilling things that I've had happen during the latest difficulties in my life and people were helping is that I have some of my relationships with people are so loving. And I receive love, I give love, um, and it's, it's almost selfless. And just in the love of my fellow men and caring for them, and that has, I have discernment, there's people I don't like, and I don't like them a lot when that happens, if they cross me in a wrong way, but generally speaking, I really do 
have an appreciation and love for my fellow man struggles. And um, I can come and they, they seem to know that because they relate to me, not as Dr. Bernstein, but as Peter. And even though they know I have the credentials and the experience, they also know that I'm a fellow human being who understands suffering and pain and struggle and my own imperfections. So they can feel freer to be open with theirs with me. That, you know, that fulfills me. Mm-hmm. That in itself has a way of making life more valued and valuable. So I look at these times that we're going through in hopes that people are going to realize more of what I'm talking about today. Do I think it's going to be easy? No. Do I think that they're going to have to struggle like we struggle as far as dealing with our own selves, where we're authentic and genuine, where we're not being stripped of things and that we have really uh, embraced as going to make us more important, more effective and whatever, and then we realize we can't control everything. We can't always fix everything. And certain things and difficulties in life are beyond us. And then we have to take a completely different look at ourselves and know we're not in charge. That is an illusion that we have lived for a long time. When we come to that, that gives us an opportunity to change, to morph into something so much better and more meaningful. I know not everybody shares that view. Not everybody comes out of crises and difficulty for the better. I know that. So I'm not minimized. I know not everybody will. I would encourage, though, more people to embrace what we're talking about because it's going to make a whole lot of difference in how you cope with what you're up against. And we don't have the ability to control all the difficulties that confront us. What we do have control of, though, is how we respond. You've been listening to The Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. Peter and I are continuing to helpfully encourage and support and um, inform in a very human way uh, everyone going through this COVID-19 crisis, and that is everyone. And we've got a thunder and lightning storm, and we're going on anyway. Wow. Yeah, you know what? When that first went, the first thing that came to my mind is is when you, when I sneeze and you say you sneezed on the truth. Yeah. And it's almost like the lightning's on the truth here. But wow. Anyway, uh, so what we were covering in our last segment is Peter had a quote from Viktor Frankl about finding meaning in hard times Mm -hmm. and how we always can have a choice and choose to contribute through our work through love and courage. Mm -hmm. Um, Peter was sharing about uh, his kind of his journey, his transition from being a a somewhat um, closed off clinical professional who also had an ego uh, about being the best to someone who, a 
person, a man, a practitioner, a coach, a mentor who wanted instead to experience more of the shared humanity that he had with the people around him. Uh, how much uh, we can care for each other and how fulfilling that experience can be. I, you know, I have to say one thing about that. And then I want to read it from a, a brief uh, paragraph from a paper that I read. Somebody else wrote, very good. But you know, I don't think I would have, I could have chosen to have the kind of responsiveness that I'm now able to have if I had been dealing with a lot of suffering and struggle and pain. Not just my own, but other people's too. Um, I see myself now being able to do things I never could have imagined. And um, I've, I've seen my ability, and this is, I wish I could have done it myself, but I couldn't find a way to do it. As far as loving people, caring for them, um, even though I can't get anything or very little back, you know, returned, um, it, it's a more selfless kind of giving. And I don't think I was really, truly ever capable of doing that before. But now, in the midst of this part of my life, the midst of the kind of challenges I have in my own life, what's going on in the bigger scale, that seems to be so easily accessible for me, so heartfelt, and so it's almost a privilege to me to be able to help people, to give to them in a way that, no, I'm not going to get anything in return from them. They don't have the ability to give back anything. They're dying. They're sick. But yet, I receive so much just in giving. And I don't think I could have ever, I could have dreamed about it. I could have intellectually said that, that I was doing that. No, this isn't an intellectual exercise at all. This is much more profound than that. And yet it is happening. And I am so grateful that this is happening. I want to add that, that what you're saying is that this is possible to come to this experience of being a, a human being and the potential to, to connect and love and care. This is possible to come out of a crisis. It's very possible. It, it does depend on how we embrace this time and how we go through it. Uh, but, and we're not there yet, we're, and no one should feel like, oh boy, I'm there. Uh, but just that this is how we grow and how we change. Right. I want to read, um, there was a, an editorial in the New York Times. Uh, this is the one by David Brooks. This is by, it's called The Moral Meaning of the Play. Very good. There's some very good editorials coming out now, right along the lines of what we're thinking. Um, uh, he was the one who, who talked about Victor Frankl, but he says, this particular plague, hits us exactly at the spots where we were the weakest and exposes exactly those ills we had lazily come to tolerate. We define ourselves too much by our careers and the plague threatens to sweep them away. Okay. It says, in this way the plague demands that we address our problems in ways we weren't forced to before. The plague brings forth our creativity. It's during economic and social depressions that the great organizations of the future respond. You know, I don't think we're the most profound people in the world. We're not making, we're not coming up with anything original. 
And the people through the centuries, if you read the Bible, talking about when people went through the epidemics they went through and the, the, the horrible times they went through and seeing how they came out, um, you can learn an awful lot about people's character and strength when they were stripped. And, and what comes out of it is a, a new kind, a sense of spirituality that always comes through crises. Yes. A sense of character and strength, a willingness to sacrifice for the sake of others. It's, I don't think we're the first to even talk about this. I just think that we're going to speak about it in the language we speak. And hopefully it's closer to the language of what's going on out there. Um, do I think other people are saying the same thing in their language, in their ways? Absolutely. And these are some of the most important things to know and to hold on to. But in times of crisis, we need to be reminded. And like you say, the closer the language can be to just how you can hear it and take it in, that's what we want to be. That's right. That's true. <laughs> I was just thinking, as, as Daniel said, I was just thinking of another article we wrote, wrote an editorial that I read by a, a really bright woman who has incurable cancer. Yes. And it's a great article. This and then I realized, you know, people that have, and I have friends that have gone through this, but that made it, and others that didn't, most didn't, um, that face dying and death and the fight to, for survival. And there is so much to learn about how they cope during those times. Let me just give you her name. It's Kate Baller. She was in, she had an article in the New York Times uh, on Sunday. Very good article. Small lady. Yes. Now hers is very practical, very down to earth. Because her challenge was very much down to earth is. and practical. She's, you know, still, she is. still is. Yeah. And at the time that she discovered she had incurable cancer, she was pregnant. So. You know, she talks about what she's gone through, and there is so much to learn from folks that have been, are going through and have gone through some very extraordinary realities. Are they the ones that we would choose? I don't think so. I think it's the ones we don't choose, but yet we can choose how to survive it, how to cope. That's what Viktor Frankl is talking Yes, about. we can choose how to be living with dignity and compassion and caring, and also, there's practical things to learn, and that's where I think we really are right now in the phase of this, in this pandemic crisis, that we have to learn to deal with practicalities, real practical. A perfect example. Our sets of rituals, our sets of routines that we've had have been completely devastated. And yet, and it leaves people not knowing what to do, talking about being exposed. And this is a time for people to formulate new new routines. Just that basic, yeah. What are you going to do each day? How are you going to structure your day and your evening and your family time? And yeah, Absolutely. Those huge challenges, especially for parents and yes. Well, especially for anybody right now. Um, and you know, it's interesting, I was just talking to Big Steve, he's also a muscle-bound guy. And um, I said, well, what are you going to do? The gyms are closed. And he says, I, you know, he didn't know yet. And they're going to be closed for probably another month. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I need to exercise. I've been going to gym since I've been what, working out since I'm 13, 14 years old, right in there. And I was thinking, well, I guess I'd better develop a routine for myself of some kind of exercising and calisthenics each day. And I'm finding they're really tough. I have a real, I've got tough routines. I didn't know I could remember them, but I actually. But I, yeah, I have to really rethink the routines that I was so used, they used for coping. And 
And that's kind of the thing we need to, it, they're very basic, they're very simple, and yet without our normal routines, we're left not knowing what to do. It leaves us feeling pretty vulnerable and yes. exposed, yeah. not just to others, to ourselves. So what do you do? Well, it's time to recalculate and reformulate, well, what can you do in this time with what's going on right now to build a routine for yourself that helps you cope? Things like that, we've, we've uh, I know some people that we've counseled at, at the Institute, that was a big, that's a big deal. Yes. They didn't know what to do, they were at a loss. And they were getting very depressed and despairing and discouraged. That's that's not just that those individuals. That's happening on a no, massive no, people, level. People need to feel like they got their feet on the ground in some way. Yep, it's they, not the same, but in some way their feet are on the ground and they've got some, some stability. That's one thing. And then also, these are heavy times. And I know today at our staff meeting, we were talking about these papers that we've all been writing, the Instagram, the podcasts, and people were helping in what we're going through. And then it was pretty heavy stuff. And I'm thinking, well, that is what's happening now. And then one of our staff, our famous Hello Olivi, who writes a great article every week. She's been a guest. Yeah, and she's been a guest, and she's wonderful. Um, she said, you know what? And this was at the other. She says, I have pots of plants, flowers. Colorful great, flowers. Colorful flowers. I asked her to get them quite a while ago, and yet they were sold out. You couldn't get into stores. And she, she did get it. You know what? You also need to have somebody sometimes shift you. Mm -hmm. And yes. it took Haloa to go, why don't we just go out and get these plants and move the old ones and toss them out and start putting these around. Yeah. We all went to work, made the institute look gorgeous. It was, it was perfect because it was physical, you know, yeah. and yeah. it was making our environment much nicer, more pleasant. It was, it just, and we were working together. It was nice. It was a great experience. It was nice to see. And we really all work together. We don't know you should work together. Everybody is so independent. Yeah. Even though we're a team, everybody, this time, it was fun to watch. I was watching Hello in ways I'd never seen her. She's she really, was telling us where to go. Yeah, she really yeah. knows how to do it. And yeah. uh, But it turned out beautiful. It motivated me to even do some cleaning up of things that I've been looking at for a long time. It, it brings about, well, we have the time now yeah. to do it. Mm -hmm. But it was, she's shifting us. And I thought, boy, do we need it. Yeah. And it's time to lighten the light. It's time to see the little light during this dark time. Mm -hmm. We may need support of others to just remind us, hey, don't get so discouraged and despairing. There is hope. And little things can mm -hmm. mean a, a lot. They can mean a lot. Yes. And that's the other thing, appreciating those little things and how meaningful they can be. Um, the other is that I've noticed is I don't think I've gotten so much rest and getting, and I've been a guy who's been rest deprived for a long time, taking care of my wife, working, um, taking care of a lot of things, my horses, and just that's the way I am. You know what? Things are slowed down, and I slow down. I get more sleep most of the time. Um, I just feel like I have time to do more, to talk to people. Yeah, that's another thing that you've done is, uh, and I think we did talk about this in our last episode, um, is helping someone else. You, our neighbor needed uh, help moving something, and you had a truck, and you went down and helped her. Yeah, she was embarrassed to ask. I was glad to do it for her, and she's alone. We have uh, our whole entire block where it's Everybody's got some burdens there, and people are talking to each other and helping each other. It's it's a nice block. People are nice to each other there, um, which is nice. But this is there was kind of a a sincerity 
and time. People were taking time to be with each other. I love that. And I'm hoping that begins to happen on a, a much larger scale. It, when we get back, and I'd like to talk about this, the principles that we put together during the, uh, the last recession. The, uh, I call it, it was a, to me it was a depression. Um, and the principles that we've developed, and I think they could be very helpful during this time. Very practical, yeah. very helpful. We have yeah. ten. I added another one last night, so um, I've been writing another paper. So it's oh, eleven okay. now. Oh, okay. All okay. right. I think we can go with eleven. But we're going to bring. I think we ought to bring them up because they are really good and they're really helpful. All right. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma, 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. And uh, before our break, uh, we were talking about uh, getting into some practical ideas for navigating these times, uh, helping to shift out of the, the very difficult, difficult times that we're in and the things that we need to deal with and finding some time to shift and enjoy ourselves also, some practical, other practical suggestions that Peter's going to get into. Um, we, just before we came back, Peter was looking and he was saying, this is good stuff, and it is. Uh, we can't go into all of it, and what we don't get to today, we will get back to. Yeah. So what is jumping out at you Well, the introduction today? drums out at me. This was in one of the principles we have. We must have built it right in. Um, this is what I, I'm reading something that I wrote, and she wrote, quite a while ago, We're but I kind of brought it up to date. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. As long as your family and friends face these hard times, I offer the following suggestions for guidance and encouragement for you. These suggestions, this is the first principle actually, go along with the prescribed precautions that are being advised, medical precautions of course. Um, these principles, in addition to taking your life this is the first principle. Take your life one I day at a time. We, Did we, you write that? When like we that? wrote that, I think we didn't realize how important that was, and that deserved to be a principle. Well, on then we have twelve own. instead of ten because I added one in there. Oh, oh, okay. There's right. one. Okay. And it's taking your life one once uh, one day at a time, appreciating the little things in life that can matter so much, and they've been a great value to me. So that's one principle There's right there. There's another one there. Yeah, yeah, slowing down, yep. and don't get ahead of yourself. And why is that so important? We are being fed so much frightening information with such negative expectations and fearfulness. I, I, it's terrible. And if you listen too much to the media, all they do is fill your head with new studies and new very dire expectations. And I'll tell you what, don't listen after you're... Don't spend too much time taking that stuff in because it feeds right into the thing that we shouldn't be doing and that is getting too far ahead of ourselves. When, when we as people begin to anticipate the worst, and we all can do it, we start scaring ourselves and it's, a, it's called worry. Worry begins to bring us to the, to the edge of panic and fearfulness and anxiety. What I do is I self-correct and if I see my mind going there, I bring myself back, and I and I just I start just focusing on what's in front of me, 
and what I'm able to deal with today with God's help. And I think that's a very important principle because it's too easy to get so far ahead of ourselves. Then we get not just worrying about the next day, the next month, the next week, the next everything. We get so far ahead of ourselves and all of a sudden here goes the anxiety. And then we're in that place we've talked about where your emotions are driving your perspective it's totally, and your decisions. Totally. So instead of just going with the perspective and the facts, your emotions take on a completely different dimension. And by the way, it will drain the energy that you need for dealing with these difficulties. You do that, it's almost like punching a hole in a, in a uh, dam, and it just creates a flood. Would this be a good point uh, to talk about that different parts of the brain? I don't know if you want to oh, do yeah. that now, because that relates to this. Well, I think we're talking about stress, and you know, every you know, you hear about stress and how terrible it is. Well, the truth of the matter is that isn't altogether true. There's another way to look on stress, and no, there's no getting away from the stressfulness of the situations that we're all facing. We live under stress in the kind of reality we work in, but now it's a massive kind of stress. Well, people get, hey, hear about how terrible stress is. It's not all terrible. The best, I find that the most important thing about stress is that you develop a different perspective on it. When you get into stress initially, our physical, neurophysiological reaction stimulates an area of the brain called the amygdala. That is a fear center, the emotional fear center. That's where panic can originate, okay? When you begin to get a handle on the stress and begin to look at it differently, it keys off another part of the brain, the prefrontal cortex. That's the executive function of our brain. All of a sudden, we get some balance, and we're able to not just have, listen to the voice of the, the emotions that are dictated neurophysiologically at the, in the amygdala, but we're shifting to the prefrontal cortex, and all of a sudden, we're thinking more clearly, and we're seeing things more, in a more balanced way. So you want to be careful. We, you know, we do specialize, and I've worked for many years to develop and build on other people's work as well, ways to diffuse emotion. And if it's been triggered, if it's come up from the difficulty of the situation, if you've had difficulties in your past that come up, there's a, there are ways to diffuse it and decompress. So then you also shift mm -hmm. to that more executive part of your brain. And you can think more clearly and with a refreshed outlook. Do the problems go away? Or the difficulties and challenges? Not necessarily at all. You're in a different place. You're in a different place. And you have a much different, a fresher perspective, a more energy to engage with them. It just gives you hope. I mean, it's hope every time I go through it, and I've been through it thousands of times, the hope comes back. Simple difficulties are there. And they're, for me, they're always there because it's my work, it's my life. But you know what? It's a lot, I can be refreshed. And it's also called finding and discovering your resilience. Mm -hmm. And boy, does it make a difference. Yes. So that's one of the principles. And even though we didn't number that one, that is number that's one. That's still important. Okay. And um, I think this, let's see. We've got time for another one for one sure. One more? Okay. Then I would say yeah. that for, this is, there was one before. We can get to that next week. Refuse to take on the spirit of fear. And I wrote here, the spirit of fear is present on a massive level right now. It's essential that you don't allow the spirit of fear to overpower you. It's very important. Um, I wish I could read my own writing. 
<laughs> this to, is a problem. <laughs> yeah, I, have, I don't write. I write well, but I can't read my own writing. To rise above and keep yourself solidly planted on the ground. It, it doesn't mean not to deal with reality. Of course you have to, and it's important for us to face the reality. Um, right now, the COVID-19 virus, the financial fallouts, oh, we, you've got to face them. You've got to develop the precautions and awarenesses of it. But don't, and the other part is, we can't run away and bury our head in the sand and pretend that nothing's happening. You do have to look at the hard facts of this evolving situation and crisis as painful and frightening and traumatic as they may be. Um, the potential loss of your health or that of a loved one, the loss of your job or business or your income are extraordinary facts right now. But you got to recognize facts are not the complete reality, total reality. So don't let the facts also, not just the emotion, but the facts become the complete reality that determines whether you're happy or sad, fulfilled or miserable. That's also another one of our principles. Even though the facts can be extremely frightening, as they are right now, with the possible losses I just mentioned, all have been, and, uh, and all the things that we value and are precious to us um, right now that have given us a sense of security and immortality and well-being, well, they're not. We have to refocus right now on the things that we call non-tangibles. So what we've been talking about are things that are tangible, the material things, the values that we've all embraced, particularly in the United States. And then, you know, you could say, well, we've all done that. We all pay attention. We've paid attention too much. What we've lost touch with are the non-tangibles. What does that mean? It means that valuing our relationships, our loved ones, our families, taking time to really, to, to, to find the love and the caring again. Those are the things that are going to fulfill us and are more important. I'm just, I wonder what I read about. I, I was just saying that off the top of my head. Let me see what I, I read, uh, wrote. Um, let's see. Non-tangibles. There is so much beyond what has been, we've been caught up in and what we've been striving for. So don't let the emotions dictate or uh, contaminate your perspective. Don't let your history, and this is another important thing, and your fearful past. If you've had a traumatic past, no, that was what we specialized in, helping people recover, and what we specialize in from traumatic experiences of their past. Well, the truth is that for a lot of folks, that, that's buried, and they don't really, they do things to avoid it, they don't realize the power of it, but during these crises and times, they get triggered. And all of a sudden, the fears from the past and those experiences seem, seem to emerge and contaminate and overwhelm our current perspective, which is also frightening. But there's healthy fear, things that help us take precautions. And then there's this overwhelming paranoia yeah. and panic and hysteria. And I've seen people get sick physically, not from the virus, from the overload in their nervous systems, from the stress that they cause, and um, that they haven't really, they really never took on deeply, got rid of the roots of those old traumas. And that stuff triggers and boom, everything goes out of whack. So, and that's when people get sick too, right? they can get yeah, sick. Yeah, and it reduces your immunity. Yeah, and I don't mean by the virus. Yeah, yeah, no, any, any whatever you have going on can be exacerbated. And it, it can be for anybody. So these are the kind of things that we need to pay attention to and be aware of. Um, these are some of the principles. I don't know, what's our time? Timing. 
Yeah, we've got, we've got to just kind of close. I want to be sure to leave time to let people know how to get a copy of this paper. Uh, the okay. one that we prepared. Oh, yeah. So just a little bit more, and then we need to sign off. Okay. Um, let's see what this says. Well, I'm going to go further down. I'll get to the other next time. I'll go back. Um, appreciate what you have. And these are the intangibles. If you have a loving family or, or community, that you have your health, or even if you don't, appreciate what you do have. The little things can begin to matter so much and can be so fulfilling in themselves to find true appreciation and gratitude. Appreciate what you have, what you have been given, and how good things have been. You can even make a list of the ways that have, uh, things, how you've been taken care of. Recognize the ways in which your life has been rich and full. Absolutely. And the last one, and I'm not going to get into details, it's during crises, during all kinds of traumas, one of the things that does seem to emerge is our spiritual life. Not necessarily religious, but spiritual. We all have that core within us. Um, this is a time to re-examine that and to take a look at where you really are. There are people that have completely denied their spirituality. There's other people that have become so caught up in it that they actually escape into it and hide from reality. It can happen too. So instead of taking responsibility for what their part is and straightening things out, they don't do it at all. Yeah. So this is a time for these things to be explored, and we do have the time. So it's kind of being poor. It's like a it's like a uh, big canyon that's being ripped into our culture, yeah. and in that canyon are the things that we can now begin to confront. It may not be easy, but it can be so valuable and such a source of creativeness for what comes next. That's why I have hope for the future. Right now, though, I know we're all struggling, so I don't want to be insensitive to that. Yeah. Um, I know that we're going to be ending today, right? And we are going to end, and I want to be sure to have time. Go ahead. To, but no, if there's some way that you no, wanna... I, I will. We come back next week. Okay. Right. I just wanted to. I want to hold. I'm going to hold this up for the video audience. Uh, we have a paper that we created. It's an update. Steve says, "Get closer." This is a newsletter that's available on our podcast website, the Survivors, the Survivors Guide to Life .com, where you'll find all our podcasts, all our papers. This most recent one is called "Surviving the Hard Times of COVID-19: Lessons for Finding Hope and Strength." please uh, download it. It's available right on the website and it goes into so much of what Peter and I have just been talking about. So we are, the Survivor's Guide to Life, are made possible through a grant from Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment, a 501c3 charity that rel relies entirely on donations. We hope that what we have done today has been of value to you and you would consider making a donation, again, through our website, the Survivor's, oh, not through that, through sctraumatreatment.org. Right. SC Sonoma Coast, sctraumatreatment.org. Uh, the Survivor's Guide to Life is on Facebook and Instagram, YouTube, and Spotify and SoundCloud. Peter has his own Instagram. He's enjoying it. You can yeah, tune yeah. in. Um, to get in touch with us, you can contact me, email Jenny at BernsteinInstitute.com, 
Uh, please do like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram. Thank you for joining us, and we will come back to this next and week. And we wish all of you good health. Yes, be safe. Stay well and be safe.